Welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show, the podcast for changemakers. Each week, I talk to the most fascinating entrepreneurs and innovation leaders about innovation, strategy, and design. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show. And today, I'm very proud to have Julia Hitzleck with me. She is an innovation leader in Bayer, co-founder of Accelerate, and digital and open innovation expert. And I'm so happy that she's here with me. Hi, Julia. Yeah. Hi, Adi. Hi, everyone. I'm super happy to be in the session with Adi. Yeah. And today, like, we're, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 thing, and we cannot really not see that we have a, an issue that we can maybe solve with innovation. And we're going to talk about how corporates can... tackle uh, the situation and make it better with innovation together. So tell us like in the beginning, how did you come about to be an innovation expert? How did you <laughs> enter this field? Uh, it's actually a long story and it's uh, as I think with most innovators, not so straightforward. So I'm actually a chemist by training. So I learned experimentation the very hard way, right? With lots of experiments in the lab for many, many years. Um, After that, I started with technology scouting and did a lot of product and portfolio development and basically a lot of technology push. And I've seen many great innovation projects like from the R&D side uh, where people put a lot of thinking and hard work. And in the end, it still fails because the market is not ready or mm. um, you advance really quickly and fast, but you are still not fast enough for management expectation because they only want to spend as much money on product development uh, before getting returns. Sure. So at Especially some point, in, I said... <laughs> in health, even more. In health, but also in, in, I would say, in all other industries. It's always mm -hmm. underestimated how long it takes to develop a new technology. Yeah. And if you're just looking to um, push a technology to the market, um, there are lots of mistakes you can make with, I don't know, leading uh, focus groups too much into, do you like my solution? Do you like my solution? Instead of really trying to understand where there's a need for it. So um, at some point I realized, you know, um, I think that there is, is more to it. And I was really curious to explore um, all the new tools like from business model canvas and, and the lean startup. There was also a lot of uh, new methodologies coming up about 10 years ago. And I was really curious to see how can we push this experimentation mindset into the business side of it. So also in right. marketing, for example, how can we experiment there if you're in, in unknown territory if we want to really launch something new. Yeah. So, so it, like, it was like a change for you to go from the tech side to the business side, or it was like natural thing for you? I know it was a like coincidence as well. Right. So in, in a large corporate, you quite often change your position also from like, I, I went from R and D into like a corporate development teams and strategy consulting. Um, yeah. which was also great to, to learn more like from a high level business perspective. Um, and then I was part of uh, several strategy projects or also leading them. And then we decided to develop a new innovation strategy for Bayer, not looking into the business aspects for it, but really changing our innovation culture. And as part of that, we looked more into, okay, what actually needs to be done to like, what kind of hurdles do we need to remove? move so that people can collaborate better, be more customer focused, learn to experiment 
And out of that, uh, I realized that I do have a lot of know-how that I definitely have a passion for it. And um, yeah. yeah, that's what we've been doing the last few years. And it's been really great. Oh, that sounds great. It's, so tell me, how do you think this crisis changed what you were doing? So you know a lot about methods and workshops and training. So how is it different in the virtual or not face-to-face -face world? Uh, so uh, there, there are different aspects to it. First of all, I would say uh, a lot of our innovation community members had more experience already with like virtual meetings, Zoom, Teams, whatever, because we, we played around with it. And since we are engaging a global community, we always had to leverage it. So th there was some experience already. And I think also from like running a lot of webinar, trying to get people excited about the topics um, we with like the community, experimented a lot with the right formats and engagement methods. So the type of virtual facilitation was already really, really high. Um, now from switching from face-to-face -to, -face to, to virtual settings, of course, there was a stretch because if you're running a workshop with like 20 people in the room, you can feel the energy. You see how people interact. There is yeah. this personal connection between people um, it's so much easier to generate um, I don't know a relaxed atmosphere or activate people and uh, do something together now if you switch this to virtual it usually means you need a lot lot more time for preparation you really need to think it through you need I don't know more support because you only have your screen or maybe you have several screens but it's only still you in yeah front yeah of technology yeah of course um, and what we've seen also that it usually takes longer uh, to get to a result because it's yeah it's only yeah. one person speaking at a time i mean you can do a lot with virtual like whiteboards yeah. or breakout sessions but it's it's not the same yeah i feel that the energy is the most important part when we do a workshop because everybody feels everyone and it's like the excitement and the creativity is there but when you're sitting in, and not standing and not together, it's much harder. And, and maybe that's why it takes more time to, to really get to the results, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a purpose of a creative workshop, right? You want to build on each other's ideas and right. uh, co-create things together. And if you do this in a virtual setting, you need to think much harder on how do we actually facilitate um, this engagement and how can we help everybody to participate um, right. to get the right results? So, now, yeah, yeah, I cut you, but could you tell us like what kind of workshops? Like, what are you doing together? What you do in, in the in other method? In what kind of training or workshops you're working on? And and how is it different now? Um, so there are different things. We have an innovation network in our organization where innovation coaches run either creativity or problem-solving workshops following systematic inventive thinking. So it's mm. a, a standardized process. Usually we say it's, it's a mini session because you only need like four or five people and it takes maybe an hour, hour and a half. Um, oh. We've really worked with motivated coaches to see how can we translate this now into a virtual setting. And they said, yeah, uh, you can do it. But as I said before, you, you need more time to prepare uh, in a in a normal workshop, you would, I don't know, have trigger cards or, I don't know, map out the process and then move things around so it's very visible. Now, if you do this on the screen, of course, you can do the same thing. But 
somebody always has technical problems. They, not everybody sees the same thing. Then there is a delay. And uh, so you just need to plan for more time with it. But on the other mm -hmm. hand, um, what we also realize, and then I think in general, that's a positive aspect because now you're forced like to everybody to join virtual there are no board. I mean, as long as you're somehow connecting with the time zone, mm -hmm. anyone can contribute. So you have a right. much higher potential of like diverse inputs. And um, that's right. also something that I've seen from like in my normal role, I, I ran a lot of workshops in our Berlin site. So it was about being in that room at the right time. And there right. are only, there's only as much space. So maybe like 20 or 30 people, there was maximum. Now, if you need to do this online, anyone can participate. I mean, some people right. say, ah, it's too early for me in the morning. I can't join. <laughs> yeah. yeah, next time we, we shift. But we have uh, amazing people from all around the world then joining the sessions. And yeah, it's again, you need to think a little bit. If if you talk and, uh, or give an interactive talk uh, in front of a, like a real audience, of course, right. people can raise uh, their hands and I don't know you can start a discussion it's not everybody speaks up online so you need to think about like prompts forcing yeah. people to interact to not just sit there and listen or start doing something else yeah of course I think that in general there is this really big potential of, of working as you say online because you can reach anyone you can see that you can do things um, from multi-nations multi-countries and it's really easy on the other hand it feels like as you said you need more energy and more focus because people you know they they are sitting at home most of the case they have only shirts which is nice and they have slippers on their their legs and and their head is not really used to doing things like collaborating this way so it's a mindset that needs to be changed. And um, I think it's a challenge in general to work this way and, and get everyone motivated and, and focused and engaged. And, you know, it's like it's really needed all the time. You cannot just say, OK, now um, you do it yourself. Like as a facilitator, you need much more um you need to be very into you, what you're saying and everybody should really understand and collaborate yeah which is hard yeah but i must say um i mean you or everyone saw a lot of activities around like let's solve the covid 19 challenge together right. so a, a lot of positive energy where people suddenly started to collaborate or were more not just started but maybe uh, in a different setup were then more motivated so like also right. Within the company, we had challenges on our like crowdsourcing platforms where people just came up with like I don't know so many great ideas. I mean, some were covered already, but some really good ones also came up. And people thought mm -hmm. more about technology and really wanted to engage. And also, um, some part of the OpenEXO community or um, yeah. around exponential organizations, they launched this uh, series of very short um, like mini hackathons around purpose oh. challenges people from all around the world joined in just, in just three hours or so very short time you could still develop a solution and uh, yeah that was great and like later on we also worked with uh, the MIT for example on solving problems uh, for COVID 
Yes. So you're giving like two examples. One is like with your community and open innovation. And the second one is with academia. So could you give us like example, what was in these mini hackathons? I, I took part in some, several hackathons dealing with COVID and what could be done. But yeah. for you, it's a very specific uh, group of community people. So what did you do together? It sounds really interesting. Um, I would say with uh, OpenEx, so uh, we really looked into what, like how can we improve health or I mean, later on, everybody realized that uh, during lockdown, a lot of people lose their jobs. So how can we right. uh, redefine work and a lot of professionals engaged in there as well. So it was not so much about students, but more also professionals who were like feeling the struggle themselves. Um, trying to redefine work or also wanted to contribute with their expertise on solving the issue in, in their specific country. And since it's a global pandemic, like everyone was part uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, affected and wanted to change. I would say with uh, with the MIT hackathon, uh, it was a lot more mixed. So there, there were many more students in there, but also like from from 14 to, I don't know, 60 plus. People and I think it's it's really great and, and in general I would say if you work with academia students always give a fresh perspective. Sure. So whether you are in an organization or a, a professional already for a long time, it you tend to generate this fixedness is that this is how it's gonna be done, right? Um, right, right. And students they they learn your know, methodology. They're not that fixed yet, right? They don't know oh, this is the procedure, and uh, if you yeah. do A, then B will happen. So they they come with a fresh mind and and challenge you in a different way. And in the end, they're also a different generation than already. Right. So they have different priorities. Um, and I I always feel it also adds to diversity, right? Because they sometimes you always think of your own perspective or your own generation. Right. Uh, they have and other talents. Yeah, of course. I think that in general, co-creation is something that you cannot really create within your small group or within your company, even in a big company, when you keep in mind that there are so many other perspectives and you could talk to other people that are involved or they want to uh, share with their, their point of view. It could be like maybe some of your suppliers, some of your uh, uh, users or, or clients or people who are just interested in, in this domain, I guess. So tell us, like, give me one example of what you've done with, with the health. Like, what could be a good idea to solve this, this health point? Other than, you know, to create a vaccine is really obvious, but it seems like so many other problems, like emotional or mental health issues, so forth, could be addressed. Yeah, actually, I think that's a very nice example uh, where... COVID also accelerated our digital transformation around the world again, and where uh, the focus not, not, not only on developing a vaccine, but understand behavior and help people more holistically, because everybody became aware that uh, there's a lot of tension and um, yeah, mental stress also involved with the situation. Sure. It was not only for one group, but suddenly for everybody. And I feel... Um, partially in these hackathons, but also like a lot of other like companies try to understand. So what can we quickly develop out of sometimes existing technology to put something together that helps people, right? A lot of company um, countries launch tracing apps, yeah, whether you want to be traced or not, right? But there sure. is a certain, if the benefit is high enough, suddenly people uh, are willing to share data, which they maybe didn't yeah. want to do. 
before. Sure. And the development is then very much accelerated because everybody wants a solution as fast as possible. And suddenly people collaborate along the value chain or with really different expertise and say, hey, we, we do have um, a resource to add, whether it's data or a, a tool. And uh, there was a lot more willingness to, to collaborate. And whether this is now like with apps or, I mean, I, I think in general, there was a lot of digital development um, yeah. where people yeah. said, okay, so if we don't have physical contact, what can we do? And whether it's like, also helping triage uh, uh, in, in the waiting room, basically, or avoiding that people yeah. spend too much time waiting uh, for a sure. solution or for an appointment, um, like digital yeah. support systems. Um, it, yeah. and, and if I would ask you, what is the, mo the most important key that innovation holds for this change for this crisis, what would innovation help us do in order to overcome this or make it better for everyone? What would you think? Uh, so I think that different things, since uh, the world changed so quickly, nobody had a plan yeah. <laughs> on the table sure. or in the yeah, market right. to, to execute. So it really forced everyone around the world to explore opportunities and to collaborate with others because not a single person had the right answer, right? You right. see a lot of blaming of like authorities that they didn't act well, but nobody has no a, a better solution, right? So right. Um, I think with a bit more innovation background, you're, uh, you're more resilient and you're, uh, it's easier to cope with the situation because um, if people are naturally curious and not too stressed out with, oh, oh, that didn't work or I need to do something, but I don't, I don't see the result yet, right? But I trust the process and I believe right. in the power of people to, to advance and together we will find a solution. And yeah, maybe not in the first attempt, but we will learn and at some point we will have a result. Yeah. I think that's really where innovation comes into yeah. play. Yeah. It's like experimenting and knowing that although if you could fail or not, it's you're learning and you're getting better on the way. And it's part of your way doing things like trying things out. And I think that it's it's connected to the fact that you don't know. The fact that like innovation is talking about curiosity and we don't know. We're, we're not starting with a plan or something which is like obvious. We're starting with a question or a problem, and and we have a problem here, so we can address it this way, right? So, um, it was it's less like top down, like we have this, and now we're gonna implement this solution, and and that's it. It's it's more like exploring options. Mm -hmm. And did did this other than working remotely and doing workshops remotely? Do you feel that it's changed the way you see in the company innovation? Like what could be your position or how you see uh, the company relating to innovation in, in, in a sense? Like, is it different? Uh, I think temporarily, temporarily it's, it's different and it's not just for like my organization, but I know like, all the other colleagues in other organizations that have a similar role. So there, there is a lot of pressure right now also on innovation because a lot of, not all industries are doing well, right? A lot of industries right, sure. are under pressure. And the natural thing then is like, let's cut costs, let's freeze, sure. let's reprioritize. And unfortunately, innovation is always the first thing that is being yeah. 
re-evaluated, let's put it like yeah, this. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, I mean, in, in these exchange routes, we we basically learned that more or less everybody has the same challenge. On the one hand, uh, innovation teams were quite often uh, pulled because of their know-how or like facilities facilitation skills to now suddenly not like work on this midterm project, but help right now business fix a challenge because they they know that, okay, you have, you're familiar with it. So I don't know how, how to run a, a reasonable Zoom webinar or uh, I don't know, facilitate yeah. a, a virtual workshop. Now we have to, because we need, uh, we need the results. A lot of people were put sure. in and capacities uh, like, focused on, on this right now. Um, on the other hand, um, yeah, with, there's, I think there's always a lot of potential also to do change the way you work right now, not necessarily looking into what are opportunities mid to long-term, but you can always optimize. And since there was a lot more pressure now to either improve costs or I don't know, find a solution because the standard supply chain didn't work anymore. Um, sure. I think there was a lot of smaller innovation projects also happening yeah. there right now. Where yeah, I think that what you're saying is the same all around because I read a, a McKinsey wrote a report and, and it said that innovation leaders know they will need to, they're going to have like really hard time, maybe the most important time of their uh, career life. And they know they need to find things like, to work in an, in an innovative and creative way. But most of them, first, what they do, they go to the core and try to cut, cut expenses, and that's it. So um, I think it's like the first stage. And they think that the ones who will innovate more and the ones who will not be like afraid of the change or the unknown, they'll be the one to, to compete better after this very big change in the beginning because it seems to be here to, to stay, like more or less, we're gonna have a changed world. Like we're not gonna go back to a normal state. It's gonna be different. Yeah, so. but I mean, even if the situation comes down, I think a lot of people now realized, wow, there is actually a lot that I can do virtually, right? I, I right. still believe for like certain workshops, it's so much better to be with the right sure. people in a room for a few hours or maybe even days. But right. we also do a lot of business travel that is just a habit and it puts stress on us because we're not only out working somewhere else, but also spending a lot of time traveling. And I think that's something where a lot of uh, colleagues now also look into and say, hey, um, do I actually need to go there? Can we prepare a lot of things maybe beforehand in a different way? And uh, do I need to be at work or can I actually also work from home? Maybe not the whole time, but uh, be a bit more flexible with my working hours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I, these are some things that will definitely stay. Sure, sure. I think that some of the things will stay, some of the things will come back, but in general, as a, as a world, like you can think about what are the changes in the workforce, for example. What are the changes in, in your maybe city or country? It's going to be different. And, you know, it's, it's, I always tell myself it could be either very frightening or very, I, I can think about curiosity or exciting. Yeah. And I'm trying to do both, not only the frightening, anxious part. <laughs> That's what I'm trying. 
So could you tell us like about any like innovation project that you've been involved with and you're proud of or you it's like extraordinary thing that you learned from? Uh, yeah, of course, there are many. So uh, apologies if I don't mention all of them. Yeah. Um, maybe let's pick two different versions, right? I said in the beginning, mm -hmm. I, I was also involved in like tech push for a long time. Um, I think one thing that I was still very proud of is that we a couple of years back developed a technology called electroactive polymers. Um, it was it was not super new, but um, it was uh, an upcoming technology, and uh, we really managed with a small team to over like just two years to really advance a lot in this technology. And not only did we learn a lot, also in collaboration with academia for a bit more deep dive on the topic, but it also helped in the team formation. And that was my one of my big learning experience that um, if you really have a complex topic, you need different expertise. People do speak a different language, uh, but once you manage to somehow generate a common ground, you can really get a high performance team. So mm -hmm. in terms of like technology development, we were really fast. We were still not fast enough to make management mm -hmm. expectation, but like retrospectively, everybody in that team also learned so much. Like, I don't know whether it's application, um, know-how later on or specifics around the technology now, even if that project fails you, you still keep your learning so um sure that's something that you can uh, contribute plus also the experience with the team dynamics sure now sure maybe another example one. from the market side um mm -hmm. we run our entrepreneurship program in the company and we always ask mm -hmm. for challenges so we're not necessarily asking so so what would you do if you had a million dollars but like yeah. what are business challenges that we need to solve where you know our standard routines are not delivering the right results anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a team from France uh, who said, well, actually um, it's a market more like a marketing sales channel and uh, challenge because um, yeah, there is not really something coming out of our R&D pipeline right now. So no new product introductions. So, so what do our salespeople do, right? They in that case, they was around veterinarians and was said, okay, uh, yeah, I mean, we can send them off, but there is no, like, what do they want to discuss, right? It's sure. not that there's really uh, much to think about. And somehow mm -hmm. we need to also generate more trust or a closer connection again um, with our customers, mm -hmm. veterinarians, plus also then uh, the pet owners in the end. So yeah. they started with this challenge and they had really... Uh, no clear idea what would come out of it. Sure. In the end, they understood that also veterinarians uh, want to be innovative and offer something valuable to the pet owners and not treating always the diseases. And while well, pet owners in that case also just want to have peace of mind around their beloved pet and not being sure. instructed in detail on how to apply certain medication or uh, preventive measures. So in the yeah. end, they they developed an um, uh, insurance model, basically, uh, with, <laughs> for um, um, yeah. which was then sold through the veterinarian, of course. So he was, of, or like he or she is then the, the trustless expert, so really achieving higher reputation again. But also the pet owners don't need to worry about because they just have a subscription fee and they, they get the right treatments uh, at the right yeah. point of time uh, during the year and everybody was happy. And it was a yeah. really a, 
a great journey for the team again to move from like i need to sell a product to oh yeah. maybe it's actually about something else right now and i think that's something that we see in in many areas of our lives that our expectations change that sometimes we do struggle from a like product or industry perspective yeah. to really address this yeah i think that in general just to understand what are the problems that you could solve or what are the things what are the touch points you could address it's it's much more it's it's a better way to start a creative and innovative process right because they thought about yeah we have this and we want to sell it and once they went into the veterinarians and the pet owners They said, okay, what could we offer, what they need? What could we offer them? What, what's bothering them? What are the thoughts that they have? And when you start from there, it's like, it's much easier, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that in general, what you're saying is like, you're a very innovative company because you're using innovation in many ways and in many domains and in many use cases, not only... Just to develop a new product or to change the value proposition of a specific thing, right? It's like we have for, in this case, we have a workforce that we could use in order to do something for the company, and it could be very interesting to see what can be done with these talented people, right? So um, it, it's really intriguing to see that a company that is used to the innovation processes is doing it not in a very like strict way it could be done in various ways right yeah. um, I mean, and I mean you still always need your R&D pipeline and you need a strict management and I think that's also something a lot of people misunderstand they say oh you're in the innovation team you always have these fun and colorful workshops <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah a lot of people miss to see that there's actually more hard work <laughs> uh, than yeah, just running a, a one a fun workshop because the preparation and usually after the workshop the real work starts right and yeah. there's a lot of like, yeah, also I, learning how how things are not working and yeah and, and, and there is a big difference between seeing an opportunity and really seizing it and, and expressing yeah. it and developing something and and really executing it it's it's something else you know There are so many great ideas out there and the problem is really doing something with it, right? So uh, the fact that you created these like very different aspects, one is very internal, one is external, one is technology and the other one is more related to the processes. Um, it means, and, and in, in the end they, they were created. So you went to the management and they said, uh, yeah, it's a good idea, right? So the first one is like obvious because it's a long, long process but the second one is not obvious they would say okay we'll go into a different way of thing seeing our connection with the end clients and and with our customers yeah it's actually a good point because also it's not just about the people on the ground who need to learn how to work differently when developing a new business model for example but it's also about the senior management who needs to understand it's it's not about the the best pitch or the most promising business case we really need to ask for evidence and it's different whether you operate in your standard market and you you have all the numbers on hand and you you really have a lot sure. of gut feeling supporting your decision making but if you either want to tap into a new market or introduce new products or like in times of today 
suddenly your markets change so fast and you don't necessarily can predict to sure. which situation or point it will change. Mm -hmm. um, then you also need to ask different questions to the teams, right? And not just giving money to the shiniest presentation and then sure. hope for the best, but rather force them to show you evidence that, yeah, they they really learned and it's not just one yeah. customer who claims uh, interest yeah. in the solution, but yeah. that's the that's the hard work. That's that's the part of the hard work that you really need to show the numbers and, yeah. and really convince. Although I feel that what from what you're saying that they are very um, interested in trying things out because in many cases you see people like bringing some kind of consultants and and building a lab and having like sprints and so forth. And in the end, they have so many great ideas and none of them get funded by, by the management, right? So <laughs> it happens a lot, I guess. Yeah, actually there are two very valid points. So first of all, yeah, I mean, it's easy to generate ideas, right? I, I, right. But ideas don't help you much, right? You, you need them, but it's not, uh, yeah. yeah. You need more tangible concepts where you have data already to show that there's a value. So you need to develop a pipeline and need to understand just because you have a lot of ideas doesn't mean that at some point okay. a certain amount of money will come out. So you need to really make sure that you have the right stage gates and um, challenge to sure. Uh, yeah, to further develop this. And then the other thing about the consultants, uh, I would say this is also uh, a, a pitfall sometimes because if you hire consultants, I mean, you do need them unless you have a lot of internal resources to sure. facilitate things differently. Sure. But if you not only have a facilitation process, but also outsource a lot of the hard groundwork to be done, there is no learning process. So yes, you right. do see some results, but how do you want to judge? Because you don't have the experience like why this is relevant or not, right? You're totally right. lost. And um, I feel that's uh, one of the biggest challenges quite often for teams to realize, oh, gee, I really need to do this myself now. It's not like we yeah. have a workshop and then the agency takes care of it and, uh, yeah. and they come back with the final product, but it's up to us, right? And if if you sure. have a gap sure. in certain skills, we need to find a way to address this. Sure. I think that it, it, there is learning, but it doesn't stay within your team. It, it just goes away with the agency. <laughs> what, what you're saying is that there needs to be like a process that after this very intensive work, the, the learning stays and something very uh, tangible from the experience itself stays other than the MVP or the validated idea, whatever stays with, with the team. So uh, uh, in general, when you have this like experience, it's very important to see the experience as one of the deliverables of, of the process, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is very important. And uh, could you give us like a few professional tips if somebody wants to have more innovative company and in his like, workplace? Uh, of course. So I would say always stay positive and don't give up too quickly. It is a long journey, right? right. And right. then you do need to trust the method because also there, if, if it's a change process or if you're trying to learn new skills, yeah. Just because it worked in one company doesn't mean it works the exact same way in your company because the sure. environment is different. So you you need to believe 
learn uh, mm -hmm. and then also provide enough freedom to the people you work with because that's my biggest mm -hmm. learning right if you generate a win-win situation or really inspire people to go beyond so much great things can happen right so you need to believe yeah. in the diversity and you need to believe in the power of people and together you will achieve something right right that's a great thing to, to think about like the power of people working together to solve something and, and each one has this point of view and sometimes people try to avoid people that don't think the same as them and they try to avoid the clash but yeah. say but in many cases when I when I do these workshops I tell them bring the, the person that is the one who will ask all the hard questions the one who will not be the the easy uh, partner because I think it's so important in many cases just to have a diverse way of, of mindset and, and thinking together is, is so powerful in general. And, and one more thing that we talked about in, in the context of COVID is the power of people wanting to solve something big for everyone together. And, and it seems like this very strange time created a, a one way of thinking of a problem for so many diverse people from all around the, the world And all of them want to do something good or something better, not just uh, you know go to work, come back, and yeah. and really utilizing their talents, you know, to do something yeah. better in the world, which is yeah. like there's something good within this very strange situation. That's for sure. Yeah, something more meaningful. Yeah, like people are looking for meaning. They are they look for something which is substantial, but still more than them, more than their daily thing. And, and I'm sure that in, in general, innovation teams, are, they have more people which are very creative and open-minded in many cases. But you can see that people which are not that open-minded, still they can give so much from, only from the way they're seeing things, right? So uh, as you said, from the students, they are very open-minded, but they don't have any tools. So they are very fresh. The way they see things makes you feel different with it, right? So it's really important. Um, okay, so, so we're almost out of time. Um, and I want to thank you for, for all this like very interesting talk. And I really enjoyed it. If somebody wants to ask you something or be in touch with you, where, where would they go? Like your yeah. LinkedIn? And of course, feel free to uh, ping me on LinkedIn. Um, We also published quite a few uh, elements of our innovation journey. We recently mm. ran a webinar with Alexander Osterwalder, which is uh, now also online and the Strategizer YouTube channel, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, we also published uh, our earlier work in case studies together with Julian Birkinshaw and Harvard Business Review or London Business School. So if you mm. search for this, uh, or I'm also happy sure. to share the links afterwards. Yeah, and of course. In of general, course. Um, we do have an open innovation platform called innovate.buyer.com where you can learn oh. about all the different programs and then, of course, also reach out to the right people. Sure, sure. So thank you very much, Julia, for your time. It's been such a pleasure. And, yeah. and I hope we'll have more like these like talks about thinking about the future and how could it be better. Yeah. And thank you as well, Adi. It was really nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Yay. I'm Adima Zaukario, and you've been listening to the Invincible Innovation Podcast. 
make sure to visit our website, invincibleinnovation.com, where you can learn more about our programs and my book, Innovating Through Chaos. I'll be waiting for you next week in our next episode. Thank you for listening.